Here we go. Money talk. Brought to you by DKP and Code Chartered Accountants and Aspire Planning Group. Football bosses with Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata on FNR Football Nation Radio. Welcome to the Football Bosses here on FNR. Michael Zapponi, Tony Pinata with you. Uh, Tony, welcome to another week, another big show. Very big tonight. Um, we've got Murray Shaw on and um, and then Greg uh, Greg Griffin to talk about the uh, the sale. Murray Shaw, I can't be too nice to him because uh, he's my boss at Fox Football. But uh, it's fascinating to hear uh, what goes behind the scenes uh, in in putting a football production together. And we often hear complaints about kickoff times and and uh, and the like. And uh, and you know when you're interviewing a player when you're, they're walking off the ground or a coach uh, during a game in the FFA Cup the traditionalists say oh why are you doing that you know we shouldn't have to do that but that's all part of promoting our sport which we need to do in this country and we do and um, you know we want to bring the uh, the viewers closer to the action and um, you know Fox have done a, a brilliant job and are doing a brilliant job and uh, you know without Fox I'm not sure if there would be an A League so you know kudos to uh, to Murray and his team and uh, and to Patrick. Uh, Delaney, the CEO of Foxtel now, yeah, uh, for the support of this game. So, Murray Shaw, the executive uh, producer of uh, football at Fox Sports, to join us uh, to talk about the ins and outs of uh, the football broadcast uh, in Australia. And also, Greg Griffin, who is uh, now the former chairman of Adelaide United, and uh, he also heads up the uh, Australian Professional Football Clubs Association, uh, who are lobbying for change uh, at A-League level uh, in terms of the way that uh, the league is structured and, in, and pushing for an independent A-League, Tony. Is that the way to go? Independent A-League? Mm. Definitely. Um, if done right and correctly, yes. Um, you know, most leagues around the world. Uh, I mean, I was, uh, had the, you know, the pleasure of meeting the, uh, the commissioner of uh, the uh, MLS, uh, Don Garba, who said that we have the model wrong here and has to be independent. So uh, it, it, it's coming. All right, a uh, fascinating conversation uh, with both Murray Shaw and uh, Greg Griffin. Surely to come up after this short break. Don't go away, plenty more here on the Football Bosses. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Brought to you by DKP and Co. Chartered Accountants and Aspire Planning Group. Football Bosses with Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata on FNR Football Nation Radio. Welcome back to the Football Bosses. Michael Zapponi, Tony Pinata, and joining us now is the boss of football production at Fox Sports, Murray Shaw, the executive producer of football. Thanks for joining us, Murray. Good to speak to you guys. Well, you've been there since day one, haven't you? It's, it's been a, a terrific journey for you, a journey that which, uh, which continues. Uh, it must be... Uh, I know a lot of people say you've got the best job in the world to me sometimes when I talk about what I do, but uh, for, from your point of view, you must be... Uh, Pretty, uh, pretty privileged to, to do what you do day in, day out. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, I'm a football fan like you are, Zappers, so it's always good to work in something that you're passionate about. And the rise of the A-League is something that we're very proud of here at Fox Sports and also something that I'm very proud of and, and everyone's involvement in it, including you two guys. So, you know, there's a lot of negativity around the games at times, but if we look from where we came from 13 years ago, I think we should all be very proud. 
One of the uh, areas that I suppose gets a, a lot of conversation uh, when we're talking uh, on the radio and uh, on social media, uh, let's uh, touch on kickoff times as an example. And there've been some adjustments to those this year. What sort of what part does a, a broadcaster uh, have in, in determining uh, what time games uh, kick off in the A League? Well, kickoff times actually um, pretty much uh, is our domain. So. I mean, look, it's a, it's a long process that the FFA come up with in, t- in terms of getting a season draw together every year, and it's really, really a difficult task um, and a bit of a thankless task, actually, because it doesn't matter what happens year after year, there's always clubs that are complaining. Um, and I feel sorry for them in that, in that regard because they do put a lot of work in trying to look after everyone, and obviously they try and look after the broadcaster in terms of kickoff times. But look, look the journey throughout the 13 seasons of the um, A-League, we've been learning as we go, and kickoff times are another um, area where we've been learning as well. We've sort of, as people would have noticed, um, stopped having early kickoffs on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon because we are a summer sport and we know that to get the best football we've got to play um, as late in the day as is possible but then you've also got to juggle as Tony would know that you know ideally say seven o'clock on a Sunday night is a good TV time but it's obviously not a great time for clubs in terms of trying to attract um, uh, audience and crowd to go to a game so these are the sort of things that we look at every year and try and um, fiddle with and try and adjust and obviously it's something that's going to rear its head a lot um, over coming years, because if we get expansion, for example, and we end up having six or seven games a weekend, where do we play them? Um, and, and, and will we be able to play seven games at different times um, to suit clubs and also to suit the viewing audience? So it's a never-ending problem. Yeah, Murray, um, I think that the 7 o'clock Sunday is the one that's sort of caused most angst in clubs. Um, but putting that aside, how's um, how the ratings been from, from your point of view in um, in that time slot? Fantastic. And, and I can say to you, Tony, and this is the problem and obviously something that the FFA has to juggle, is that um, 7 o'clock on Sunday's time uh, ratings have been 30% better than 5 o'clock on Sunday because people... I mean, the problem that we have with playing this sport in summer, and I know obviously Bozza raised it last week, but maybe one of these days we'll go back to being winter. That's obviously a, a winter sport. That's obviously a long time off. But um, a lot of the problem with uh, being a summer sport is that there are things to do for people in the uh, early evening in summer, whether that be going out and enjoying themselves or coming back from the beach. So what we've found is the later that we can kick off, the more chance you've got of getting an audience who are back home after enjoying themselves on a, on a sunny summer's day. So 7 o'clock on a Sunday is obviously quite ideal because people are heading home because they've got school or work the next day. So these are the, the problems we encounter. I know that it's difficult for clubs, Tony. I feel the pain of the clubs in trying to get audiences too. But let's face it, what the clubs and Fox Sports are trying to do is maximise the total number of people watching a game. That's surely the best thing for the game itself is to have the most number of people watching it, whether that be at the stadium or on TV. And that's what we should all be aiming for if we want to grow this game over the coming years. Perfect. Um, I mean, taking and I'm not involved in the club, but uh, for me, a seven o'clock kick on a Sunday is fantastic because I can, you know, go out with the family or go to the beach, come home, and there's a while you're having dinner, you're watching a game, and it's um, it's it's it, you know, it's it, it's great. But I can understand the pain from uh, from the club's point of view. But ultimately, it's all about TV. Um, and and you know, I mean, Fox put a lot of money into this game, and without Fox, and I've been saying this for a long time. I don't think we'd have an A-League. So 
um, you know, if you can maximise and, and get the amount of people that are watching the game, then you know, I think ultimately that's uh, that's the answer. Well, uh, we'll get Patrick Delaney. I know we've uh, asked Patrick to come on, and we'll we'll talk uh, in more detail about the the broadcast rights and and uh, and the ratings uh, when when he comes on, Murray. But talk to us about midweek uh, fixturing because I know there was a few years ago. I think it might have been uh, one season when we had eleven teams in the competition. We had a, a regular midweek round. We've got the Asian Champions League with midweek football. Uh, from a football product point of view, is is that something that uh, you'll, you'll look towards more of once the A-League is expanded? And uh, is it a cultural thing in Australia that we're still not quite used to, to going to a game midweek? I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that entirely, that it is, that it is cultural at this stage. And we see that with the crowds. Um, for the Asian Champions League, people you know just aren't used to getting out on a Tuesday or a Wednesday night to watch a game of football. Although that said... Um, it doesn't seem to be as much of a problem with the FFA Cup games, does it? I mean, mm. and, and more more to the fact that people seem to enjoy uh, the FFA Cup coverage on a Tuesday and a Wednesday night. I guess that's because it's early in the A-League season, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And once we get to the Asian Champions League, it's late in the A-League season. So, yeah, midweek football is probably something that we're going to have to have a look at yet again because, I mean, I don't think it's any secret to the fact that the FFA is keen to introduce FIFA breaks um, into the A-League season probably starting next season um, and that obviously means that we need to extend the season because there are three FIFA breaks during an A-League season in October, November and March so that adds another three weeks to the season so when do you extend the season or how do you get those extra three weeks into the current time slots do you have to start earlier which means starting in AFL or rugby league finals, that's probably not going to work for a lot of clubs and probably doesn't work for the game in terms of getting media coverage. Or do you, do you extend it even later, which means you're probably finish, finishing late May, which if you're in the northern states of Australia means, you know, sort of state of origin rugby league time. So you struggle to, will struggle to get media coverage in your final series. So these are all the things they take into consideration. And then I guess the other way of doing it is, um, having midweek rounds, which they try and do during school holidays in January. So, again, these are all the problems that you sort of tackle given um, the situation and given where football is, I guess, in the sort of landscape of sport in Australia. Yeah, it's interesting uh, just to talk, hear you talk through it. Uh, a lot of people wouldn't realise the, the, the complexities of, uh, of establishing a draw, and, and I'm sure Greg O'Rourke uh, has the same issues and, and uh, works closely with you on it. I, I had to laugh when uh, we launched the A-League on, on Fox Sports and, and uh, to see the barrage of commentary, negative, a lot of it, on social media, uh, I, I chuckled. Uh, but uh, the next generation, it, it is something that they're uh, all over, uh, something that they embrace and the the tv numbers or the the, num- the streaming numbers certainly indicate that talk to us about uh, how, how it came about the e-league and uh, what the experience has been so far from a from a ratings point of view um well the e-league is obviously something that the ffa has been looking at for quite some time um in a way of connecting that uh, younger generation to the current a-league um, and you'd have to say after I think we're five rounds or maybe six rounds, I think it's five rounds through it so far, it's been a roaring success. 
um, and it's getting big, big numbers on Twitch, which is the platform for people to watch people playing computer games. And I'm sure the three of us uh, talking right now are of a similar age and we're like, I don't quite understand why people watch people playing video games, but that's what they do. And we're here to help the FFA with that and to cater for these people. And look, I've thoroughly enjoyed every moment I've spent on the E-League coverage because they're a great group of young guys um, who are playing the competition and they, they are a great group that we've assembled who are actually um, helping with the broadcast. And as I said, it's been a rip-roaring success, so much so that I know for a fact that the AFL is upset that they don't have anything similar that they can do and the NRL has been in contact trying to work out how that they can get a slice of this action. So full credit to the FFA who popped a lot of criticism when they said they were going to launch the E-League because a lot of people didn't understand it, but it is a growing space. Uh, there's a lot of money in it worldwide, and they've got in it early, and, and, and I think it's not going away. In fact, I think we'll see it bigger and, and, and better in the coming years. Yeah, I know my 12-year-old is uh, all over FIFA, and uh, he could name more English Premier League playing uh, starting 11s than I can, uh, and that's due to the fact that he, plays, uh, he spends a fair bit of time out in the park, but also uh, in front of uh, the Xbox playing FIFA as well. Will we ever see, I remember a few years ago, we, we broadcast uh, on the, the main platform uh, a final of, uh, of a FIFA tournament uh, that we conducted. Uh, is that the next uh, evolution of, of this? Yeah, well, look, that was at Federation Square um, a couple of years ago, yeah. and that was when we sort of dipped our toes into eSports. Um, this time round, we've taken it, I guess you'd have to say, far more seriously, whereby we're using experts in the field, people who do this for a living, full-time YouTubers, people who work in the gaming industry. And I can tell you that it's been getting rave reviews in the gaming industry. Um, they really think that we've been at the forefront of taking this forward in terms of the fact that we're using female commentators, trying to attract um, girls to the gaming space as well. Um, and... Um, there's going to be a big grand final that's going to be broadcast on Fox Sports um, around the final series in the A-League. April 26, I think, is the date that we've come up with now for the grand final. That'll be bigger than Ben Hur. And, and the good thing about um, the E-League is it's, um, it's available for people overseas to watch as well because this Twitch is not geo-blocked, so people in the um, US and UK and Russia can be watching um, this competition, and they can be seeing A-League players and wondering who Trent Bahaja is from the Central Coast Narratives and no doubt looking them up and seeing these strips, etc., etc. So it's a great way of advertising um, the A-League to uh, people overseas. Part of um, watching um, you know, football on TV, it, it's getting to see behind the scenes and, and, and some of the innovations that you know, Fox have put out, for example, during the FFA Cup, you, you, you talk to the coaches um, mid-game, you do that in, in the W League, which, which works well. And I know some of the coaches hate, you know... No prizes for guessing which one. Arnie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But, um, is it, you know, what are Fox looking to do in terms of, you know, going forward and, and innovating the game? Because, you know, the, you know, the dressing room pre-records uh, before the game, they're fantastic because it gives a viewer, you know, who hasn't been, you know, at a club or an understanding of what happens behind the scenes and it brings them closer to the, to the action. So, you know, what's, what's proposed coming forward? 
was thinking about dressing room cameras because isn't it a shame we didn't have dressing room cameras in Sydney at Steve's dressing room at half time on Saturday night? Yeah. That could have been very interesting yeah. to see what actually did. Should have had a car park camera. But, look, you know, innovation is something that we look at every single year because we just don't like to rest on our laurels and think that we're doing a good job. I think I've said this to you before, Tony, that um, football in this country, if we're being fair dinkum, is probably the third or fourth sport, obviously behind the two AFL, the two big winter codes, AFL and NRL. And whatever they're doing, we need to be looking at doing that and doing even more. So the innovation um, for the for the A-League is, is something that we're always looking to take to the next level, so that whether that be interviewing coaches at half-time, because that's what happens, of course, when we see coaches walking off in the AFL at quarter time and also in um, Super Rugby, and that happens in Rugby League as well. So if viewers are used to seeing it in other codes here in Australia, then, they'll, then we'd like to think that it would be part of our coverage as well. And I know a lot of people watch that and go, oh, well, they don't do that in the Premier League. It's a different market. Um, and I think that's what we need to stress regularly here. The Premier League is the number one code, or the Serie A in Italy, or the La Liga in Spain. They're the number one codes in their country, and they don't need to compete against other codes. We are competing against other codes, so we have to try a little bit harder. We had Ante Juric uh, on the show a few weeks ago, and uh, he spoke uh, with great candor and uh, passion about the women's game, and, and his view was that we needed to grow uh, even further. Uh, we're on the right path, but uh, more games required in a season. Uh, uh, he was very complimentary about uh, you know what we're doing to promote the game, both uh, SBS, ABC and Fox over the years to, to bring the games uh, into the lounge rooms of uh, hundreds of thousands of Australians. But do we need more? Uh, and do we need to capitalise on, uh, on on what's happened over the last few years? Uh, is, what's, what's your view on, on the, uh, the growth of uh, the W League and, and how does a broadcaster work in with that? I often say, and you guys would remember this, um, when we started the A-League, we didn't show every game live. Um, and I'm sure everyone remembers, particularly in Melbourne, where you guys are, Melbourne Victory 5, Sydney FC nil mm. in season one of the A-League. That wasn't broadcast live on Fox Sports. And it wasn't long after that, sort of halfway, midway through that first season of the A-League, that we realised that was an incredible appetite for the A-League and we started to show more games. And, and the same thing is happening with the W-League. We, I think, doubled the amount of games that we showed this year. Uh, and let's hope that that continues in that similar trajectory in the coming years. And eventually, one of these days down the track, all games of the W League will be broadcast. And one of these days down the track, if the league keeps growing um, at the rate that it is at the moment, there'll be more rounds, more than the regular 14 that there is at the moment. Um, it'll get bigger and bigger and bigger and stand on its own two legs. I think that's seems to be the way that it is going um, and let, let's hope that Fox Sports are there for that ride because the W League has been a fantastic success story so far for the three years that we've been covering it like once again we've thrown all our resources at um, making sure we broadcast it in the same manner as we do the A-League with numbers of cameras and pre-game shows and post-game shows that you've hosted on many times, Zappers, and it, yeah. I guess it culminates with the Matildas, who, of course, are playing on Monday night in Perth, and you'll be there fronting the coverage with a half-hour pre-game show and a half-hour post-game show at that one as well, and I look forward to it. Yeah, looking forward to it. I often find I've got to do a lot more homework for the Matildas games, especially on their opponents this time round, which I'm struggling to find out about, but that, uh, that, that gives me plenty of work to do between now and then. Love, love being part of uh, uh, the Matildas. 
Matilda's coverage and uh, Sam Kerr, uh, uh, we've spoken about her uh, a few times on this program and uh, uh, she's been great for the game. And I think the FFA have realised just uh, how attractive a commodity they are. Uh, a few years ago, we didn't have the Matildas playing on home soil and, we, and we've seen them a lot more frequently this year. You know that um, it's, there's hardly a break for uh, Murray and, and the production team, Jeff. They, they, there's, there's no off-season. The World Cup's coming up and, uh, of course, Fox will, will uh, be involved in that. And then, of course, the Asian Cup is not far away. January next year, Murray, uh, another Asian Cup. It's, uh, it's only months away now. I was actually just going back to what you said before. I was looking at this year, right? So the World Cup finishes on, I think it's July 15 or 16. Um, and then the uh, FFA Cup round of 32 will start at the end of July. So what's that give us? A two-week off-season. Yeah. <laughs> the entire season. And then we're into it all over again with the FFA Cup um, and obviously the A-League kicking off um, in October. But, um, yeah, so the Asian Cup at this stage takes place in January of next year, January 2019 when, of course, we'll be defending the title that we won in 2015. Uh, a little bit like you might remember in 2011 when the Asian Cup was in Qatar. Um, there, it was played in January then, so the weather won't be too bad in the UAE where it's being staged this time. And it doesn't look like the A-League will be taking a break because that is basically the entire month of January. I think, if I'm right, in 2015 when the Asian Cup was played here in Australia. We had a two-week break, but uh, right. no break, I don't think, because of uh, they'll just run out of time to actually play an A-League competition. <laughs> we took a couple of weeks off there. So it's going to be a very, very busy foot, uh, time for football fans in Australia in January of 2019 with the A-League continuing at pace and, of course, the Asian Cup taking place over in the UAE. Book your holidays now. Uh, take time off so you can uh, watch uh, plenty of football in January. You can't have any time. Can't have any time off. No, nah. <laughs> <laughs> our listeners book their time off. There's plenty of football to it's watch. Smorgasbord <laughs> of uh, football, which is um, yeah, just just fantastic. Well, we thank you very much for joining us uh, on the program, and uh, we look forward to uh, more great product, if I can say so myself, over the next few months. Yeah, and I should mention, we just mentioned the Men's Asian Cup. Don't forget, of course, the Women's Asian Cup is on yeah. um, next month in Jordan, and we'll be showing all those games live in the middle of the night. Um, for the uh, Australians as hopefully they win the Asian Cup for the, for the women's as well. Yeah, terrific. Murray Shaw, thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Plenty more after this break on the Football Bosses. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Brought to you by DKP and Co. Chartered Accountants and Aspire Planning Group. Football Bosses with Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata on FNR Football Nation Radio. Welcome back to the Football Bosses here on FNR. Michael's opponent, Tony Pinata, and joining us now is the is it the former chairman officially now, Greg Griffin of Adelaide United, or is there still a few weeks to go? No, former chairman Zappa. I um, upon the handing over of the bank checks, I handed over my resignation, and that was on the seventh uh, of March. Was that a bittersweet moment for you? It was a bittersweet moment because obviously I'd invested a lot of time and emotional energy into that club for eight and a half years but I mean essentially there's a time to hold and a time to fold um, my my handshake agreement with Robert Gerard from Adelaide from the outset had been that we came together we'd leave together and Robert had said to me look we've been doing this for eight and a half years when we came it, the idea was to keep the club in Adelaide because the threat from Frank to a 
Frank Lowry, who used to sit on the board of the Reserve Bank with uh, uh, Robert Gerrard, was that there would probably cease to be a club in South Australia unless uh, he or someone else uh, took the club over. And he said, look, time has passed. The club is now secure. It's safe. It's not going anywhere. Um, and I think the time is right for us, or for me, to move on. And I could either have bought him out or we could both go together. And I said, all right, we came together, we'll go together. So that's how it ha- that's how it happens, Zappa. I talk. I did meet Pete uh, Vanderpol on the weekend in Adelaide and uh, asked him uh, a few questions on an interview in Fox. He didn't give us much, to, to be quite honest with you. Tell us a little bit about uh, how how this uh, uh, arrangement came came to play. Well, essentially, um, Pete went direct to Robert Gerard about six months ago to try and convince him to sell his shares to them because I think he probably took the view that coming to me was a fairly fruitless use of his time. <laughs> and so he went on for, for months. And then about two months ago, Robert spoke to me and said, look, you know, I'm talking to this guy and, you know, I think he is the real deal. Um, their offer they're putting is very good. And I think they'd be good for the club. And that's essentially how it all unraveled. So my involvement only came in the last very short period, very short, because I was basically, I was basically not um, involved in the early discussions. We've spoken with you uh, previously about uh, the issues facing the A-League and we'll touch on those in a moment but I suppose that the biggest question coming from Adelaide fans is, uh, is this a good thing for our club? Are we leaving the club in in better hands uh, in hands that are looking to invest uh, in the club uh, to expand it? Well you'd hope so. I mean I hope so as a fan of Adelaide Um, but I don't know the answer to that because I I mean, I think your, your interview revealed that he wasn't going to say who the other partners were. I don't know who the partners are either, Sapper. Um, but my understanding is that they have got the necessary um, financial strength to invest and to invest quite significantly into the playing roster. And, and that's a great thing. I mean, I'm really positive about that. Were you um, were you there on Friday night against Melbourne City, just um, out in out in the stands with a with a beer and a hot dog in your in your hand? No, look, I took the view, Tony, that you've got to give the new people clean air. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've gone to a, a NPL game because I, I used to go to all the juniors games and watch them because I thought they were very enjoyable. But I, I, the focus is on these guys now, and uh, and I don't think they need the distraction of me being there. So you know, we'll look at it next year. Fair enough. I understand. Uh, they, they did speak about uh, close links with China. I understand they have uh, an investment in a, in a third division Chinese club no, there. It's fourth division, fourth division. amateur club. Yeah. yeah. So uh, is this something that uh, we've seen different models? We had Laurie McKinnor on last week and uh, and he spoke to us about uh, uh, his chairman and uh, the, the motivation no, behind... Yeah, the motivation behind uh, Newcastle's uh, new investors. Uh, what, what do you get the sense that the, the, the motivation is, is behind this new consortium to, to invest in well, Adelaide? I mean, I, I don't think you can, you can compare Martin Lee's club in China hmm. or his club in Portugal to the clubs that uh, the new consortium in Adelaide have an association with. I mean, it's a fourth division amateur club. So, I mean, I can't see any of their players being anywhere near good enough to play in the A-League. Hmm. Um, and I don't know about the European club. Um, so, I mean, I just don't know enough, but I think you've got to compare apples with apples. And I know the clubs that Martin Lee has got, and that they are, they're good, good 
two-seater clubs. Um, and all of these relationships only work when you've got clubs of about same or better standard because what you really would want is you want your best young Australian kids to want to go and play in China or Holland and, and spend a year or two there and come back better players or be sold. So, I mean, that's the challenge for the new consortium is um, I think they need to get out of the fourth division in China pretty quickly and they'd need to get into the second division because that's actually a pretty decent standard and I think then you wouldn't, you wouldn't have problems then with... So, like a Paul Izzo, for example, I mean, he's an ideal candidate to go to a European club, um, but he's not going to go to a fourth division club in China. He's probably not going to go to a second division club in China. He'd go to a, uh, he he'll go to um, a you know a high ranking um, club in Belgium or Holland or a second division club in England or Spain, but he's not going to go to, to China unless it's a, a CSL club. That's that, that's what I that's how I read it anyway. Perhaps I'm wrong. Now we know that um, there are issues, uh, still some issues surrounding the uh, the FFA and the structure of the A League. But looking at the positive side of all of this, there are uh, consortiums who are looking at our model and are looking at our A League clubs and saying, okay, well that's an investment that we think is going to be viable for us and uh, attractive to us in the long term. Is is this a vote of confidence in in, in the A League? Yeah, I think it is, Zappa. Um, but there are a number of other people who actually, once it became um, known that the uh, the Dutch were making offers. I mean, I was getting phone calls from from other groups mm. saying, "Don't sell to them, sell to us." But uh, we didn't do that because we had an agreement um, during a due diligence period not to deal with others. Um, but look, it is. Look, I think there's a lot of interest in Australian football, and I think I said the other week on on Adelaide Radio, I think that Pitt and his consortium have bought very well because. Um, I think that there will be very fundamental changes in the next 18 months. I mean, I, I expect there will be, at the very least, the um, the framework for, for an independent A-League, if not one already operating. And once you have an independent league away from the National Federation, I think the values and the interest and the investment will all increase, and those that are getting at ground floor, I think, will do very well. Better than I have, I suppose. <laughs> oh, you've done well. You've done well. You've done okay, Greg. Huh? Um, in the in the eight years, and you took over in two thousand and ten. Um, yeah. Tell me a highlight. One highlight over those eight years. Oh, look! I never thought I'd be standing um, at Adelaide Oval uh, when we won a title. That was fantastic. Um, it was an amazing uh, day. Fifty thousand people there. Was... Fifty thousand people. That was a, just a marvellous day. Um, I think the game, I mean, this is going to really surprise you. I thought our game against Sydney this year in December when we played Tim Kids, that's what they were, Yeah. and it was 0-0. And I thought it was a great day. Mm. In fact, I actually rated that above the FFA Cup win, to be honest. For me, personal enjoyment was, was seeing that and then seeing Broski abuse us because, abuse our crowd because he said, why are you cheering for a draw? Which, of course, only <laughs> incited them to tell him why. <laughs> Yeah, it was a brilliant. Was a it was a brilliant performance. Uh, talk to us about now your role in the game. You, you still have an involvement in the game with uh, the uh, the football clubs who are lobbying and campaigning uh, around an independent A League. Uh, how, how's that uh, travelling? Well, that's very positive. Um, I mean, the, the clubs have very kindly um, asked me to stay on and finish off my term as the chairman of 
the AFCA, which is the Professional Football Clubs Association, which I'll do. Um, by that time, I think we'll have dealt with the FIFA AFC delegation directions and recommendations and the working uh, review group, which I think will, will actually lay the foundations for what football and the constitution, the FFA, will look like over the next 10, 20 years. So once that's in place, I think everything's going to improve. I think you're going to see that the FFA will, in essence, um, concentrate on what they should be doing, which is running the national teams and uh, working with the states. They should get out of trying to run an A-League because they're not very good at it. <laughs> and, uh, and I think that if it was an independent A-League, you know, we'd market it better, uh, I think we'd get more sponsors, and I think the crowds would respond. So it's, it's a pretty exciting 12 months in football now. It's about the only good, <laughs> only good bit of news for the last seven or eight months. So Stephen Lowy, the chairman, the chairman of the FFA, uh, is still resisting that push. What what will make it change? What will what will shift that position? What will shift the position is if the working review group, which will probably assemble the next month or so, I suspect, uh, put through changes to the constitution, which will be ex- accepted by FIFA and AFC, and then imposed, and there's no other word to describe it, imposed upon FFA so that it will become a much more democratic organisation. And then all of those directors who are currently there will actually have to do what was commonly known as participate in an election where there is more than one person standing for the one seat. And so I think think there will be uh, many changes on the board very quickly. And um, I think Stephen will either go with us on that or I don't think he will stay. Uh, there's, no, there's no middle ground. I mean, you either you either embrace what we're trying to do or you leave. Is he, is he receptive to this or is he still... I, but my previous dealings with, with Stephen would tend to suggest that we've still got about 10 or so mortal hand, hand-to-hand combat battles to have. So, I mean, I mean I'd, I'd like there to be a collaboration. Um, but the last three years or two and a half years would tend to suggest that um, compromise is not on the agenda and any changes will have to be ultimately, I think, imposed upon the FFA by FIFA. Should you get your uh, proposed uh, model running, does that mean that that independent body then, uh, as you said, runs the A-League, but does the that body also uh, have a decision on at the table on expansion of the A-League? Uh, and well, I, well, thank you for asking that, because I think what's happening now is, is, is completely inappropriate in that uh, the FFA going around having done nothing uh, and now saying, no, we're looking for two and four more clubs now. They're not ready to to actually bring clubs in in the foreseeable future anyway. They've said that. Nothing's changed except they're trying to give the impression that they are, in fact, proactive, when, in fact, we all know they're reactive. And what really probably makes us very cross at AFCA is that it's it's inevitable that we are going to be running an independent A-League. And it's, it's the clubs and the independent board that should be making the decisions as to who the new clubs are, not the FFA now, in some last-ditch grasp for power. It's not going to work. And all they're doing is giving people false hope. 
Well, you know, when these new clubs, if they do come in in two years, they're getting no grants. So they're already going to be $3 million behind the eight ball because FFA just don't have another six million bucks to hand out. Well, they do. They just need to. They just need to start. Yeah. Um, well, they're living, saying they don't. They, they, I mean, they they drink champagne on a beer on a beer wage. That's their problem. Mm. And if, if they actually just basically severely curtailed their spend and dedicated the resources to the A League that it's desperately crying out for and which it generates then we wouldn't be in the mess we're in. Because at the moment, we are in a mess. Uh, and we all know it. I mean, you, there's no point closing our eyes and pretending this is the greatest season. The football being really good. But, you know, the Fox ratings are down, uh, media interest is down, and the numbers are down. And, you know, when I ran Adelaide, uh, I mean, we basically survived in of each year and balanced our books on um, tickets sold on the gate. Mm. And if we lose 20%, well, that's a massive loss for us, and and and, and that's that's why you know we're fighting so hard uh, to keep the A League viable and uh, likely to expand. On expansion, you're close to the conversation. You you work closely with all the other clubs. Uh, yeah. We debate what the ideal number is, where the teams are. What's your view on on the ideal number? And and you know, uh, in terms of where they are, being from Adelaide, would would Adelaide come into the conversation for a second team? It's a fair question. My, I'll answer the first question. I think there should be sixteen teams. Um, do I think Adelaide could support a second license? I think it could, and I think it would be the catalyst to get the new Liberal government to actually build a rectangular stadium in the city, which it would be the game-changer, absolute game-changer for this sport in South Australia. Um, South Australians are unfortunately a bit spoiled because the AFL fans get the best stadium in the world and the soccer fans get a really nice pitch when they don't play AFLX on it or have concerts on it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean... When it rains, they get bloody soaked. And when it's when it's four o'clock on a Saturday in March, I mean the kids bake. So if we had the same sort of facilities that Adelaide Oval has, then I think you. I mean I think we'd get to eighteen to twenty thousand for both clubs very quickly. I love hearing you say that, Greg, because I don't think we have enough people involved in our game to to think. Uh, big picture and and think strategically and and often we talk about upgrading High Marsh or getting lobbying the government to to put an extra five thousand seats on it uh, and but, but you're absolutely right. But let's yeah. aim big. Let's let's aim for a yeah. new stadium uh, and, inside and the CBD. I would even if I hadn't obviously uh, been bought out, I would say exactly the same thing, which is we need a second team here to basically force the government to invest in our sport like they've invested in cricket and tennis and everything else. And you build a stadium and they will come. And, you know, I don't think it should be West Adelaide or Adelaide City. I think it would be a terrible disaster because, I mean, I go to the, all the NPL games, they get 200 people. Mm. You, you don't turn a crowd of 200 into 18,000. I mean, all of the, the old West Adelaide and Adelaide City supporters, they're Adelaide United supporters now, OK? I mean, the moment's passed. And we've seen what happened to Melbourne City, that despite the players, the coaches, they've never been able to, to actually meaningfully break down that victory, we were here first position. And, and, and with Adelaide, whoever comes in on the second license in Adelaide, 
I think has to get out of Adelaide. I think they should play in Adelaide in, in, this, in a new stadium. But I think they have to go north or south. And, and they just have to be uh, a club. Like Newcastle in England, for example. I mean, you, you are three and a half hours from London. Well, in Adelaide, you might be an hour and a half from the city or an hour. And, and I think then you'll get your own people. And I think the second club's got a really good chance of being very successful. Have you had conversations with uh, the, the new Liberal uh, Premier in South Australia regarding uh, the, a new stadium? Look, I know Stephen very well, and I've had 37 beers with him on this topic. Mm. Um, I've never actually got an offer. <laughs> um, I think the day before the election, the Shadow Minister for Sport said that um, there was you know, a, a rectangular football stadium in the city of Adelaide was not on their agenda. But they're in power now and once you're in power, you know, things change. And Stephen, Stephen actually loves, Stephen Marshall, his son plays at Adelaide City and he is a great supporter of the game. He used to, he used to come to my box occasionally and watch the games. Um, look, we just have to work on him. And, and even though I'm out of Adelaide, I would be delighted to assist um, Piet and this new team in trying to get this second stadium because, or this first stadium um, because I think it's really important for growth. Well, you've just given yourself a new job there on behalf of the the sport of football. Uh, the chief lobbyist for the new stadium in Adelaide uh, is Greg Griffin. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. And, and for which I'll be paid for what I've paid for years Adelaide, which rhymes with zero. Well, <laughs> m- maybe get the other licence, Greg. Mate, I'm, I'm old, twisted and bitter. I, 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 think, I think you should all be glad to see the end of it. Greg, um, just just going back to the um, this independent uh, committee that's going to be formed. Now, we, mm-hmm. we've been waiting the, for this. The working review group. The working review group. We've been waiting yep. a long time. And it's coming, it's coming. When is it going to be here? Well, FIFA haven't exactly told us, but... We understand it's, it's only days and perhaps a week away. We, we actually don't know what it's going to look like, but, but we know that um, the, the wheels are in motion. Um, and, and it wouldn't surprise me if within seven days yeah. uh, the, the composition is announced. And, and that'll be the numbers from federations, the numbers from PFA, the numbers from uh, AFCA, which is the clubs, and, of course, independence. Um, so, look, look, I think within a week, hopefully... Mm-hmm. We'll know, and then, then I think FIFA will come in, and they'll get it working straight away, which will be great. Now it's going to have an independent chairman, um, and I, I'm assuming it's going to be someone who's never been involved in the game. Where would this person come from? Sports commission? I, I think because of the the legal issues that will invariably become, become involved in it, uh, I think it's likely to be a retired. High Court judge or a judge of um, you know very significant standing. Um, it, it'll be someone who can herd the cats mm-hmm. um, because you know if you ever get a group of disparate football people together, it's like herding cats. And so you're going to need a chairperson who um, has an agenda, sticks to it, and gets results. Um, and I don't care who that person is, as long as uh, they come in with clean hands and um, basically work for the good of the game. And you're not going to take this job unless you work for the good of the game because all the good chairmen you want earn a fortune every day doing what they do. And I can't imagine that um, FIFA or FFA are going to pay them anything. So 
what you're going to get is someone who's there for the right reasons. So um, I think that's positive. Greg, you've been very generous with your time. Uh, congratulations on, uh, on on the sale of the club and uh, and well done to you for uh, everything you've done to, to bring uh, Adelaide United uh, Football Club to where it is today. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. Thank you for your kind thoughts. Greg Griffin, okay. the former chairman of Adelaide United, the current chairman of the Australian Professional Football Clubs Association and the current chairman of the Adelaide Lobbying Group to get a new stadium in Adelaide. Uh, thanks for joining us, uh, Greg, yet again, and uh, uh, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be back with plenty more after this on the Football Bosses. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Brought to you by DKP and Co. Chartered Accountants and Aspire Planning Group. Football Bosses with Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata on FNR Football Nation Radio. This is FNR, Football Bosses, Michael Zapponi, Tony Pinata with you. We haven't got much time, Tony, but a fascinating conversation with Greg Griffin. He spoke about the fact that uh, once people knew that the club was for sale, his phone started ringing and others were interested. Does that open the door to perhaps other A-League clubs and other owners looking at selling their stake uh, in their clubs? Look, I know that um, you know there's been a lot of interest in Perth. And I know that Tony's not, Tony Sage, the owner's not keen to sell. Um, I think his view is if it goes as an independent, Michael, the value could double. Mm. So, you know, if we're hearing right, Adelaide was sold for $12 million. Uh, it's a nice little profit. So there is interest in our league, and it's not all doom and gloom. Um, there are a lot of people out there who want to uh, buy into football clubs, and uh, the A League is uh, is hot property. At the I moment. suppose the big question for me is whether having foreign ownership of all of our clubs is is a good thing or not. Well, yes, I mean that that is something that needs to be looked at, and the FFA will will look at it. But you know, if these owners are putting in a lot of money, you know, and and can sell it and make a profit, you know, they, they're going to do that. Um, but that's a discussion for another day. It is. We could do a whole show on that. Maybe that's our topic for next week. Thanks again, uh, Tony, and thank you for listening. We'll be back uh, to do it all again next week here on The Football Bosses on FNR. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Brought to you by DKP and Co. Chartered Accountants and Aspire Planning Group. Football Bosses with Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata on FNR Football Nation Radio. Ching!